Howdy folks, welcome back to the new Sprint Commando. I'm your host, Ed Moore, and I have a special episode, but first, a little bit of the podcasting business. If you want to get in touch with me, you can tweet me at Teal Productions or News P Commando on Twitter. Teal is T-E-A-L. Teal Productions has a page on Facebook where I post the episodes. I am IndieMan at gmail.com is the email address, and Indie is I-N-D-I-E. The website is comicbooknoise.com slash T-N-C, the letters T-N-C. And justanotherfanboy.freeforums.net is a forum uh, that we have now for the show. So go there. You're not limited to number of characters. You can post videos and pictures and whatever you want there. Now, this is a special episode this month. I was invited to participate in the Superblog Team-Up event for this quarter. Superblog Team-Up goes to hell, which I assume has to do with the holiday season, Halloween, but maybe not. I'm not going to make any assumptions. I just think it's cool that I was asked to participate. So my entry is going to be me looking at Rex Zombie Killer number one from 2012, and it was published by Big Dog Inc., written by Mr. Rob Anderson, artist Dafu Yu, the colorist is Kevin Volo, the letter and designer E.T. Dahlman, and if I messed up any of those names, I apologize. Now we have five principal protagonists, three dogs, a cat, and a gorilla. Rex, the title character, is a golden retriever. Let me back up here. Quick little blurb on the inside first page. In the wake of a zombie apocalypse, a small pack of animals led by a golden retriever named Rex begin their journey across the country in the hope of finding safety and a home. So there's our elevator pitch. Rex, the golden retriever, we're told is hyper-intelligent on a quest to find the doctor who cared for him in a special laboratory, or laboratory, depending on which side of the ocean you're on. Kenji is a sign language speaking gorilla raised in the comforts of a language institute, has a baseball bat. Brutus, tough but battered pit bull who belonged to a drug dealer prior to the apocalypse. He's had a rough life. Buttercup, a small silly corgi mixed with a brave heart and an optimistic outlook. I believe it's pronounced corgi. Could be corgi. I'm not sure. I pronounce it corky. And Snowball, a fluffy white cat accustomed to a pampered lifestyle. He has disdain for everything and is always hungry. Now, I have two cats. Uh, I can't say that having a disdain for everything is that unusual in a cat. I don't know. Your mileage may vary. But that's my experience. They are, are very persnickety animals. Okay, uh, the book, which is a change from a lot of the Newsprint Commando books, is in full color. Chapter 1, we have a uh, full-page pinup here of our all five of our protagonists. The gorilla Kenji has the baseball bat slung over his shoulder, uh, blood weeping off of it. The cat, um, what was the cat's name? Snowball, is on his shoulder, and Kenji is holding a zombie head while he and the three dogs are standing atop a pile of, one would assume, unmobile zombies. Can't really call them dead, can you? Because they're like dead to begin with. So, But we open up in some kind of building. Um, The next page 
we see a little bit of it, but after that, the proceeding is a two-page spread, and we see it looks like maybe the inside of uh, perhaps a grocery store. But the dogs and Kenji are setting up uh, some sort of trap. We see Snowball bounding around trying to get out of the way of some zombies running around inside the store. And Rex is trying to convince Kenji to uh, take take up his portion of the plan, uh, which involves the baseball bat that he doesn't seem to be too big a fan of at this point. Then the two-page spread that I mentioned, we see the inside of the store and we have routes laid out by various of the dogs showing what they're going to be doing. Ultimately, the plan is to clear the zombies from inside the grocery store. So what the different dogs are doing is they're rounding up several of the zombies, taking them on this path in such a manner that Kenji can then crush the zombies' heads with the baseball bat, which he's not too much of a fan of at this point, don't really know why now. A little bit later on, I think it comes to light that he is too much a fan of humans to dispatch them in this way, even though the zombies arguably are not humans. So he hasn't made that connection in his mind's mind, rather. But the dogs uh, all seem convinced that these, whatever they recognize them as, zombies, uh, they call them rotters, R-O-T-T-E-R-S, uh, are bad and must not be humans because, as the initial blurb said, Rex is trying to lead this pack of animals to find his human. Uh, we see that it, Brutus has had a difficult time with humans, but he hasn't completely written them off. And so it's it's interesting that Kenji hasn't made that separation between the human he remembers, who we see briefly a little bit later on in the story, and these things walking around trying to kill them. But ultimately, Rex does convince Kenji to pick up his bat and uh, get in position. And then the various dogs lead zombies on the way. First is Buttercup, and then comes Rex himself, and then Brutus. And by the time Brutus gets there, the zombies are acting a little bit differently. And so there's a, a portion here where things go a bit awry, and Snowball is put in jeopardy and has some rather snarky things to say. But Kenji ultimately does put down all the zombies. Now, one thing I did notice reading this that, um, I don't know, it, it didn't sit the best with me uh, for whatever reason, I guess. But it's that um, all of the animals except Kenji seem to have very, very snarky, uh, angry, harsh kind of personalities just across the board. And after uh, one or two incidences, after one or two quips, you know, a couple of whatever instances showing this personality, I, I find that that type of personality for me to engage in, in in fiction gets a bit wearing and a bit tiresome. And so um, I look forward ultimately to those times when they don't speak because it gets to the point where you know that if the character does speak, it's just going to be something biting and snappy. And I don't know, I just get tired of that being the constant for characters. They do ultimately clear the department, the, uh, the grocery store, which gives them an opportunity to rummage for food, which we see 
that Kenji is carrying a big backpack on their back on on its back for everyone's food. So they gather up what they can and, and load up the backpack. Then they then then they then excuse me. They then make for a nearby library where you see Kenji rifling through books because he Kenji's the gorilla. Um, he likes to look at the pictures. He can't read, but he does make mention that he can speak with his hands, which that character blurb that I read to you in the beginning also said, which does not come up anywhere in the story. It, it never plays a part. So I'm, I'm kind of curious why it's made to be a point, but then it's never used in this uh, volume of the story. This is issue one. Um, I don't think really that there has been any subsequent issues. This is over 10 years old. I guess the project was just dropped as Mr. Anderson moved on to bigger and better things. I don't know, maybe, maybe running around the Matrix. And tri no, I'm sorry. That's, that was, that's bad. So um, we see a portion here on the next page where Kenji is remembering his woman. And it appears she was some kind of lab scientist. When everything broke loose, the overseers of the lab went through and killed all the animals that were being worked with. And I'm sorry. This is Rex's woman. This isn't Kenji. I apologize. This is Rex's uh, female handler. And ultimately, all of the scientists are rounded up and taken away to safety. All of the lab animals are killed. She told Rex to run and hide, and he did. So that's that's how he was saved. And, and that's his last memory. But at some point during their sessions, I guess, where she was trying to educate him, or to, I'm, it's not really gone into what the point of Rex was. Actually, any of these animals, really. Um, but she explained to Rex that things are bad now. Go and hide. And when it's safe, find me at that place that I told you and showed you the pictures, the underground base, and, you know, all of this got laid out. Come to find out uh, in the next page, we they find a map, and Rex tells them that they're here in cal e and that they need to go to the place called Nevada on the map. So that is ultimately the uh, hero's quest, shall we say. So they round up, head outside of the library to actually start their journey. And they hear shots, uh, gunshots, and they hear something, uh, an engine, a motor of some sort. Well, they run outside and they see that it's several bikers running around shooting zombies. So everybody heads back in, particularly Kenji. Uh, it seems that Rex is really sensitive about any humans seeing Kenji. So they all run back into the library, except for Brutus, who's, you know, big and tough and was the drug dealer's pit bull. He is not afraid of any humans, so he's going to face down these humans, whatever they're doing. Well, it turns out, I believe, because, again, of what we see a little bit later in the story, these men are riding around looking for dogs because they uh, enjoy dog fighting for sport, as it turns out. Well, quasi-dog fighting. I'll get into that when we get to that section of the book. But they net Brutus and take him away. So now... Uh, there's a little bit of infighting. Rex is like, you know, uh, sera, sera, we lost somebody, time to go on with what we're wanting to do. But Kenji primarily, but the other animals as well, Buttercup and Snowball, who haven't mentioned too much in the story yet, but their time will come here a little, little bit. Um, they decide, no, you know, leave, leave no dog behind. 
we're, we're going to get them before we go on our journey. And Rex um, acquiesces and says, okay, then we'll follow him and, and help the dummy out that got captured. And, you know, again, Re- Rex is, is uh, he stays pretty snarky throughout the whole story. Being a golden retriever, he has a, a good uh, tracking sense of smell, and they track Brutus, well, or Brutus or the motorcycles, whichever, to a completely fenced-in compound. Uh, the four remaining companions are standing on a hilltop overlooking the compound, and they can. we're given a good sense of it by the art. So what they need to do, first of all, is they need to get in there and make sure Brutus is there, right? They need to find out if he is in there, where he is. Uh, how to get in, how to get out, you know, everything like that. So they talk a little bit, and Snowball is the one that gets volunteered because Snowball is just a uh, a lazy, pampered kind of cat, would not do anything at all if it was possible. But they volunteer Snowball. He agrees to go in, and we see as he's sneaking in, he comes to this one section that has a large concrete pad on the ground with a chain affixed to a uh, an anchor in the middle of it. It, the next panel then zooms into a dog collar that is all covered in blood that is chained and is just laying off to the side there. We notice uh, when Buttercup first sees this concrete pad behind some chain link fence with ra- razor wire on the top is a little um, bleacher section. So you see that for some reason they, they whoever's in the compound, sit and watch this concrete pad with this bloody collar, whatever that is. Buttercup finds a place to crawl under the fence, uh, walks around, finds a bunch of dogs that are caged up. Uh, I don't know. There's probably 10, 15, maybe up to 20 dogs in cages, one of which is Brutus the Pitbull. So Snowball identifies him, checks. Uh, I don't have you know hands or whatever I need to open this cage. So gets all that information, takes it back to Kenji, Buttercup, and Rex, who are waiting for him. Relays the information. Uh, there's some back and forth here between the animals, um, and we're told here that Kenji was at the Language Institute. So I guess that's what he was uh, caged up for, was experiments on educating gorillas, which is a, a long-time famous kind of endeavor that has – there's been uh, news pieces and videos of these – um, monkeys or apes, maybe they're apes of some sort uh, that have been taught. I don't know if it was a gorilla particularly, it might have been a gorilla, um, and taught like a couple hundred signs in sign language and could actually communicate and, and things like that. Once upon a time, I was interested in that uh, as a younger person, but I moved on. Fascinating to see the amount of knowledge that these, what we thought were lesser animals, could actually hold in their head. That we found useful. Now, you know, of course, in the wild, their head is full of things that are useful to them in that situation. So they they do quite well out in the wild. Final page of the first chapter, they formulate the plan. They decide that they're going to go in and free Brutus. And if they can, show these humans the error of their ways. And it's a uh, three-quarter, maybe 80, 85% panel, page panel uh, of... All of them, minus Brutus, standing with these really severe looks on their face. Kenji holding uh, the bat in his left hand. So I don't know if that's significant, but it's different as they're getting ready to go down and rescue Brutus. Next, we have just a uh, 
I don't know. This first page is, is a panel, but it's kind of a weird side view of Rex. Uh, a couple full-page pinups, and then the start of the second chapter. They march down. Part of the plan is to have Buttercup run out and herd gather zombies, which Kenji is not a big fan of Buttercup going out there by him or herself, him, him, himself, I guess. Yeah. And so he heads off to do that. And then in that period, we have a couple pages of his backstory. We see that he was in initially in cages that were elevated, attached to the side of a building, more like rabbit hutches uh, than dog cages. But the mother, his mother, is teaching him their herding song. Um, I thought corgis were raised as lap dogs. I didn't research this now that I think about it. Uh, so it, it strikes me a little interesting to find out that perhaps they were originally bred to be herders. Um, anybody out there, uh, feel free to educate me. I, I could, I'm sure, with a quick Google search, but I just I, I forgot about doing it. So maybe they were to herd, you know, I don't know, sheep or cows over in the in the old world over in England, maybe. But the mother is teaching Buttercup their herding song. And so you, you have several passages here where she is singing the song to him. He is repeating it to show that he's learned it. And then he is applying it now real time as he is singing this song, either in an effort to calm his nerves and or in an effort to draw the zombies to him because he's making noise. Now, I would imagine that in real life, if we saw Buttercup running around, he would just be barking to us, right? Because we can't normally uh, understand his, his speech patterns. So the text is words in English that we can read, but I would imagine that in the real real world, as he's running around, he's probably just barking, drawing attention, the attention of the zombies. Little would we know that he's actually running around singing this song, right, that his mother taught him. That's pretty cool. So, it is working. He, he does seem to be gathering zombies. Uh, we cut back to now Rex, Kenji, and Snowball as they're attempting to infiltrate uh, this wall, uh, not walled, fenced compound. And they get inside just as several of the men go and pull Brutus from his cage. And we have a panel here. We don't show it, but we have a panel where a couple of them pull him out of his cage and kick and punch him to rile him up for whatever's coming next. Next page is Buttercup running around. We have several images of the sun setting, so it's getting later and later in the day. Um, he has been doing this all day, in essence, in my mind, rounding up the zombies. Uh, Rex is making an escape route for him here at the fence. Everybody gathers at the pens, and we now see two, four, six, eight, two, about 14 pens of other dogs. So they're going to go through and they're going to release the other dogs, I would suppose at this point, to set them free, quote-unquote, but also to use them as an army to attack the humans, who 246 is all we see at any one time. It's, it's hard to tell exactly how many there were. Uh, in the raiding party to search for dogs that captured Brutus, there were only three on motorcycles. So, I don't know. You know, guess uh, 10, 12, 15 of these men living together in this compound. We now see that they have Brutus on this concrete slab. So that's what they do with it is they chain 
the animal, whatever animal they're enjoying watching at the moment, to this slab outside. And we find out that they get zombies. They use the animal to draw zombies in, and then they watch this chained animal as it fights for its life against whatever zombies have come in. So previously, before entering the compound, Kenji and group walked around the compound and killed all of the zombies, or I don't know, dispatched, I guess, all of the zombies that were really close by, just for their own safety as they were going down to get into the compound. Now, the men are wanting to gather zombies, and Brutus is out there barking and yelping and whatever, and none are coming. So the one uh, guy with a high-powered rifle decides that he's going to shoot the back legs of Brutus to get him to make more noise, and that will definitely draw in zombies. Kind of adds to the sickness of the fact that, well, first of all, you have this animal tied up, and it can't really defend itself appropriately. Now you're going to wound it and watch as its in inability to defend itself is amusing. It's, yeah, some, some really sick dudes here. But as the dude pulls down the rifle and lines up on Brutus, we find that Kenji um, and all of the animals, so it's Kenji and Snowball and Rex, with all of the freed dogs, which here there's many more than the 14 or 15 that I initially thought, upwards to 20 or 25 dogs. Um, have arrived. Kenji, with his bat, kind of uh, dissuades the gentleman, shall we say, from shooting Brutus. And then the he stands, and his companions stand, as the pack of dogs attacks these men on the bleachers. So now, pandemonium. Rex, Kenji, and Snowball decide now is a good time to leave, plus they have to enact the final resolution of their plan, so they need to get away from this human dog fight that's going on here. So they head off to the main gates of the fenced-in compound. They're going to tear open the gates and open it because we see that Buttercup, um, he's been running all day now. He's having trouble with this this final climb over the hill, and we see him huffing and puffing but still singing his song. He's very disheveled and beat up and bruised and tufts of fur, and, you know, it's it's been a long, hard day. And finally, he crests the hill, and as he crests the hill and starts to go back down the hill, which will ultimately take him to the little valley where the compound is, we see the zombies uh, in a couple panels, a couple zombies crest, and then the next panel is like eight or ten zombies, and then a two-page spread as Snowball is continuing to sing a song running full out down this hill. The zombies have come up over the, not just the, the um, well, it's hard to describe. They've crested the hill, but it's it's a very large hill with a little valley. Yeah. Um, dozens, scores of maybe hundreds is what they're trying to do of zombies that that Buttercup has gathered and is leading them. And when Kenji and Snowball and Rex see it, they're like, oh, wow, Buttercup's done a really good job. We weren't expecting this. So now they're trying to hurry to finish opening up the gates and they manage to open, but the, the throng of zombies actually trashes one side of the gate. It's a, it's a, like a, Barn door gate slides two sides. So they manage to open one, but before they can finish, the other is just torn off by the zombie horde. So now the it is Snowball and Buttercup and Rex who are leading the zombies to the specific part of the compound where the humans are to add to the melee that is going on. 
So we have another page here where we have zombies fighting humans fighting dogs. Our three quote-unquote heroes retreat. Uh, of course, the men have firearms, so they're killing the zombies. Ultimately, uh, one with a sidearm pulls down on Kenji as he's trying to free Brutus, but fortunately he's out of ammo. So instead of a, a pow, kapow, whatever, you hear a click or a blam. Uh, I think that's the, the popular uh, onomatopoeia here. Onomatopoeia, is that the right word? Yeah, I think it is. Uh, blam that, that is used. So... Before he can really do anything else, he is beset by a bunch of zombies. Rex is the last one out of the compound, and he runs to that low point that Snowball initially found that he has dug out a little bit more to make it possible for him to get through. So he goes under the fence to the outside. Well, this dude that tried to shoot Kenji sees that, gets down, tries to crawl through, and gets caught. So now... Uh, the dude is caught at the fence, trying to get under it with the zombies on one side and the dog pack on the others, on the other side. And Brutus leads the freed dogs who are now on the outside of the compound to um, engaging in tug of war with the man as the uh, rope, uh, the shall we say monkey in the middle, with the zombies on the other side tugging on him. So we see what happens, but we don't see any results. So there's a lot of brutality in the story, but there's very little showing of the the bloodiness of the scene, shall we say, the, the end results. But you see what is being done, uh, again, just not the results. Violent, but not gory, bloody. Um, so finally, Kenji uh, grabs up Buttercup because he's really tired, been running all day. Literally. Gather all the animals. Um, they tell the dogs to run because now the zombie horde that is inside, uh, the, the fencing is just not strong enough to support them. So eventually they're going to just trash the fence and this giant horde will be on the outside where everyone else is as well. So our five protagonists head off into the woods. They've told the dogs to run. So the dogs are running. I don't know. Maybe they're following them. Maybe not. We don't really see that. The final couple pages is um, a little bit of banter back and forth. They're heading for Nevada to find Rex's female, and they pass through a section of the woods where there are several sets of eyes watching them talking. And they notice in particular Kenji. And then the final panel of the book is on the other side of that brush, you know, where it opens up into the woodedness a little bit, like uh, on the edge, you know, the edge of open fields will usually have some brushes. And then beside it, the woods kind of open up into the tree section. Well, looking at that treed section of the the area, we have just a, a passel. Is, is that an actual number? A passel? Yeah, I don't know. A, pa a, a, a group, a passel of monkeys of different sorts. There's several here with long tails. There's an orangutan, uh, several gorillas. Uh, maybe there's some chimpanzees up here in the trees or maybe just smaller gorillas. But uh, the big gorilla who looks a lot like Kenji, uh, maybe because just gorillas are hard to draw. And so, but finally says, uh, but, because he was speaking previously, we're going to follow that gorilla and find out. And that's where this story ends. A couple letters, pages, uh, three pinup pages, and then some ads for Great Zombies in History, for the comics experience with Andy Schmidt, where which is where Mr. Anderson initially conceived and put down this story. 
an ad for a book Ursa Minor and then an ad for other books from Big Dog Inc., which I've read a couple of these and actually I've read Ursa Minor as well. Back panel, back page cover is just an ad for Big Dog Inks with um, ink, excuse me, Big Dog Inc. with several pull quotes from sources having read the book and you know how they'll do. They'll solicit pull quotes for it. And so that is Rex Zombie Killer. But wait, that is only the start of Super Blog Team Up Goes to Hell because there are other entries across the internet sphere and they will be as follows. Now, this will be in the show notes as well, so don't worry about trying to write this down if you are interested in, in tracking down everybody. All of these entries, whether podcasts or blog entries, should be available to you at at or around the same time that this episode is available to you. So, uh, on the Between the Pages blog, they'll be talking about Hostess comic book ads were hot stuff. Magazines and Monsters podcast will be about Marvel Spotlight 12 and 13, which focuses on Damon Hellstrom, and Charlton Hero will be the guest host, co-host, excuse me. The Telltale Mind will be talking the ballad of Patsy Walker or how she finally made nice with her ex-husbands. Sort of. Source Material Comics podcast, Batman Punisher Lake of Fire with Evan Bevins and Jesse Starcher co-hosting. Mark Radulich will be talking about the alternative, excuse me, will have an alternative commentary on Hell Comes to Frogtown. Dave's comic blog will be talking Superman, the Blaze Satanus War. There will be an entry in the In My Not-So-Humble Opinion blog. The Asterisk 59 blog will have Sunday School with Hellboy. Comics, comics, comics blog entry will be The Son of Satan and the Preacher's Kid. Will, the host, looks at Son of Satan and the Defenders. The Superhero Satellite, uh, I believe a podcast, will be talking Spider-Man in the world of licensing hell. That is Spider-Ham. And... Professor Allen on the Relatively Geeky Presents podcast will have uh, his discussion about Afterlife with Archie issues one through six. Now, I believe that is all of the entries. It may not be. Uh, Definitely, as you read, listen, pay attention to where else they say things are available. There may be other entries, but I, I believe this is fairly complete listing. So, Again, that'll be on the blog post for the episode if you didn't catch it all here. Um, Thanks for listening, guys. And I suppose I will talk to you again next time with... I don't know exactly what I have planned. I believe I'll still be talking about Adventure Comics. Probably issues... I don't know. Three... Issue three or four will be the next one up. But thanks again. Talk to you guys next time. Ciao.